are done with our At The Movies series. And I know it's very naked in here. That's, what I, that's the first thing I noticed. All the walls are just plain and boring now. So um, we're going to have to get something, get something up there. But we are, we are um, at our back to school. And the crazy thing I thought about, even with our, with our back to school thing, is, is that I think that the back to school weekend is more of a New Year's weekend than New Year's Day weekend is. I'm not sure if, if you agree with me or not on that, but if you really think about it, you know, New Year's weekend, you kind of do your resolutions, you kind of do your little things, and, and you, you, you kind of move in a new direction. But in back to school time, it's new clothes, new shoes, new attitude, new books, new teachers, new classrooms, new, really, routines even. Everything is new. And as you look at all the things that are new, it seems like that's even bigger than New Year's. It's actually a bigger time. And, you know, it's one of those things where we can reflect and we say, what have we done for the past year? The last time we did a back-to-school Sunday, the last time we wrapped up our At The Movies series, and we moved into our chronological gospels, which we will get back into right after Labor Day. Um, the, as you look at that, you say, what have we done? Where have we gone? How have we gotten where we're at? And as we uh, look at it, I, I've, I've been struggling for the last couple of weeks. I'm just going to be honest with you. Today's kind of be one of those ones where um, I'm going to be honest with you, um, maybe more honest than I should be. I haven't been doing the pastor thing long enough to know whether if there's a line or not of how honest I'm supposed to be versus how fake I'm supposed to be. I'm just going to be really honest with you this morning, okay? And, and as I do, uh, there's going to be things that, that I say that maybe you might go, oh, so I'm just going to prepare you for that now. Um, and, and as I kind of lay it out there, but I've been struggling for the last week of just uh, on a question that's on the front of your bullet, if you have the bullet in there, is, is where do we go from here? And when, when I say, where do we go, I meant, where do I go personally? Where, wh- what's the next step? This idea of the new year, of, of making a change, of, of pushing forward. Do we stay the same, or where do we go from here? Personally, there. In my family, that's where I'm at. Where do we go from here? How do we take that next step? And as a church... Really, in all honesty, as a church, where do we go from here? I mean, Christy and I, we, we've talked about it. We're going back to three services next week. Obviously, we're, we're in need of that because that way you don't have to sit next to somebody. But the, the, the thing is, 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 is we're going to have that, that third service. And, and what happens then? What happens is, it, <coughs> excuse me, in about a year, we're up in our leasing here. What do we do then? Do we stay here? Do we continue on the lease? Do we talk to the guy that's next door and say, hey, we want to rent out that side of the building too, and as we rent out that side, it'll give us more option for, for children's ministry? Is that our goal, is to, to expand our children's ministry and expand those things? What, what are we as a church? Where do we go from here? Because I, I really got to thinking about it this week. Where is next for Paragon? Why do we exist in the first place? What's the purpose of our church? Are, are we trying to be a church like every other church that's out there? Do we want to be the church that when you type into Google, I'm looking for a church in Rio Rancho, this is just one of the ones that pops up. And we're the same thing as everybody else. We offer the same programs. We do the same thing. Honestly, where we're at right here in our building, in all those things, we can't do that. I mean, really, we, we can't. We don't have the space to, to do all the things that all the other churches do. So maybe should we rethink how we're approaching? How do we reach out to our community? How do we as a church, I've had people come and say, you know, our, my, our needs aren't being met here, understandably so. They have young kids, and their young kids don't want to sit in the service, and, you know, we don't have the things for them over here, and so on and so forth. And I understand that completely. And at the same time, I, I want to say, hey, it's, it's okay for a child to sit through 
church. I had to when I was a kid. Uh, and I use the word had to very, very strongly. But at the same time, you know, I think it was good for me. And, and so those kind of things, and, and I see families in here, and I'm thankful that you're here. And I'm, I'm excited about where we're going. But I just want to figure out what we can do to be different. Because I don't think we need to all be the same. I don't think we need to be the same as every other church. That if somebody were to walk in here right now and say, oh, it's just like every other church I've, I've ever been to. That, that's something I've really been struggling with. Do, do we have a niche to fill? As Paragon Church, is the reason why God laid it on my heart and your heart to be a part of this, just to be another church that does the same thing every week, or are we here for a reason? Do we have a purpose bigger than just being another church? And that's what I've been struggling with, and it's been in my mind, and it, like I said, it's been on my mind as a person, as an individual, am I just here to be here, or what is it? And as I go through it, I think about, about, about my life really up to this point, and the church's life up to this point. And maybe you've been in the same place. I've talked to some different people, and they all seem to kind of be right there. It's, it's this idea of, for so long in my life, I, I've tried to fit in. And maybe you're the same way. Uh, I think about through the, the big portion, my driving force was to be normal. And I, I don't think anybody would say my goal is to be normal or to be average, but yet the, isn't that kind of where we're at? Because we want to fit in. We, we don't want anybody to come to us and say, hey, you're really different, because that's not an encouraging thing to hear. And, and so when we think about that and we hear that, we go, oh, you know what, I just... I want to be normal. And as I lived out my life, I've noticed that, you know what? I wore the same clothes that everybody else wore. And I talked the same way everybody else talked. And I did the same things that everybody else did. I was normal. And you know what that led me to? Where I'm at or where I got to was I was just average and normal. Now, have I ever been called to be average and normal? Is that what God has called us to be? That's kind of what I want to, to look at today because I thought to myself, is it okay to just be okay? Is it okay just to exist? And literally at a point in my time in my life, I stood at a crossroads and went, I can either go this way and just continue to be normal or I can go this way and not. Which way should I go? And I feel like that's kind of where I was at even with the church. And like I said, I'm going to be honest here. I'm just going to kind of lay some things out there because I don't believe God created Paragon Church to be normal. And if you don't like that, come and talk to me. And I'll probably say the same thing. I'm not going to encourage you to leave or anything like that, but this might not be where you need to be. We need to figure out where our niche is and where we go from here. And I thought about the idea of, you know, what is normal? Who defines normal? You ever stopped and thought about that? What's the definition of normal? Because when I was in Ethiopia, normal is a whole lot different than it is here. And if you've ever been anyplace else, if you go to a different part of the country, our country, normal is different. So who defines what normal is? Isn't it generally the majority? Yeah. Who defines normal? And where normal goes. And as I thought about it, I thought about a, a book that I read a couple of years ago by Craig Rochelle. It's called Weird. Because normal just isn't working. And you really think about it. Is normal working? Is being normal working? And you, you think about what weird is. 
and what normal is. And you have to be a little bit careful with the definition of weird because there's, there's weird in a good way and there's weird in a bad way. And I, I want to point out to you, this is, I loved Farside. Uh, when I grew up, I, I just thought Farside was the funniest thing. And I, I made the biggest mistake about six weeks ago. I sold one of my Farside collection books that my kids would have just learned so much from. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I, I regret it now. And I've looked on Amazon to see if I could find a used one or anything like that. But this is one of my favorite ones. This is weird in a bad way. How nature says, do not touch. And the guy down in the corner, that is weird in a bad way, okay? That, that, is, the, that is the definition of, of weird in a bad way. And, it, and that's not what we're talking about here. And then there's weird in a good way, okay? There's weird in a good way where you're kind of setting a trend. Um, I was uh, joking with the, the guys back in the back this morning. On, on Monday night, I, uh, I shaved my head. And, uh, I, you know, I go through and I use, a, I use a Bic razor and it gets all nice and shiny. I'm sure the lights are... Are, are reflecting nicely off of it right now because I did it again this morning. But on Monday night, I was doing it, and I was talking with Christy while I was doing it, and I went, and I had a little resistance. And I went, ooh, that was the top of my ear. And uh, in the process, I was like, oh. And it didn't hurt until I felt what felt like water just running down my neck. And I went, what is that? <gasps> you know, and that's when it hurts. That's when it hurts, and I reached over, and I picked up some toilet paper, and I'm like, oh, you know, put it on there, and instantly it turned bright red, and I took that one off, and I put another one on there, because that's what you do when you're shaving. You put on a little piece of toilet paper. Well, apparently not with your ear. After I talked to my friends who cut hair, they're like, ooh, ears really bleed. I said, yeah, I found that out, because literally all night long it bled. I put three bandages over my ear, and it soaked through all three, and I slept on a t-shirt, an old t-shirt, so it wouldn't get blood on my pillow. It bled all night. Well, there was something that I didn't realize. That the next morning, everything was good. I took the Band-Aids off. It bled a little bit more because I peeled the scab off, you know, that whole fun thing like that. And I got done, and I went through my normal day. Well, by Tuesday night, this was Monday night, by Tuesday night, I'm standing, and I'm staring in the mirror, and I went, you've got to be kidding. Because I had cut my ear in the process of shaving my head, I didn't finish shaving my head. (laughs) And I had a patch of hair on the side of my head right here that was still there. And I went, I went through the, the whole day. Nobody told me about that. <laughs> Nobody said a word. And Jerome's like, well, your hair, it's a little thinner and lighter. So maybe it just wasn't that noticeable. And, and I, I kind of laughed because then I, you go online and you'll see, you know, that's maybe it's going to be a new style someday. People will be walking around with just a patch of hair on their head and be like, hey, that pastor guy, he did it so we can do it too. You know, I don't know. That might be the weird in a good way kind of thing. So you have the weird in a bad way. You have the weird in a good way. But then there's one more. There's one more. And this is the one I want to encourage us to be today. And not just today, to, to do this New Year's, to, to get started and to get ready. And that is this. It's weird in a God way. Weird in a God way, because sooner or later, when we get back to the chronological Gospels uh, in, in the next couple of weeks, we're going to start getting into the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus teaches some things in the Sermon on the Mount that are just plain weird, okay? If you've read your Bible and you have read what Jesus has said, sometimes we just kind of read over them. We say we read them, but we don't really think much about them because they're just that weird, I mean, and you're talking, he's teaching in the middle of Roman times, which made it even weirder then. But even still today, even after we've had 2,000 years to process it, it's still weird. There's some teaching that he gives, and you go, wait a second, that just doesn't make any sense. That doesn't, that's not normal. 
And what I want to do is we're going to get into a lot of those things, like I said, in the next couple of weeks. But today I kind of wanted to jump to the end of the Sermon on the Mount. And he talks about something in Matthew chapter 7 that, that kind of opens your eyes and you kind of go, but wait a second, that, that's not the way that's normal. So if you have your Bibles, I'm going to ask you to kind of flip to your Bibles uh, off and on throughout. If you have your Bibles, if you have your version app open, or if you have your phones, because I'm actually going to ask for some crowd participation when it comes to verses and translations. Uh, because some of the things that are said are, are really kind of cool, depending upon which translation you look at. I mean, it's cool in all of them, but some of them just speak that much more to you. So if you have your Bibles, go to Matthew chapter 7, open up to verse 13. Jesus is kind of wrapping everything up, and he said a lot of things, just boom, ba-boom, 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 as he's doing it. And then he pours this one out. And it's kind of one of those ones you make you go, huh, huh. So let's look at it. Matthew chapter 7, starting in verse 13. Enter by the narrow gate. For the gate is wide, and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are, what? Many. Does that ever make you kind of go, huh? Verse 14, for the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. And it's exactly it, the huh. Because, you know, so often in church and so often in church life and so often in just in Christian life, we assume that the people that go to church on a Sunday morning, they're going to heaven, right? Because they're in church on a, on a Sunday morning. We assume that people that go to church on a Saturday night, they're going to church because they want to have that relationship with Jesus. They, they want to have that, and they're on the, the narrow one, right? But how many people have we ever stopped and thought about that, that go to church because it's just part of the routine, or they go to church because it's part of their social status, or they go to church just because are really on that narrow way versus that broad way, or maybe the other way around, and they're on the broad way. They don't even really realize it. And I started thinking about this because broad and wide is the gate that the majority of the people travel. And it seems like the majority is what makes up normal. And we've gotten caught up in normal and just being okay with okay. When Jesus says, no, you, you have to make that choice to be a part of the few. Instead of following where the crowd is going, follow where Jesus is going. Don't allow the crowd to dictate what is right. Allow Jesus to dictate what is right. The gate and the road are narrow that leads to life, and only a few find it. And as I paused and I thought about it, I, I thought to myself this. If, if our life looks like everybody else's life, and, and we're doing what everybody else is doing, if you would be considered normal, where are we headed? Which road are we on? Because is normal exactly one of those things that is following after what God wants? I mean, if I asked you to define normal in any way, in any shape, or any fashion, would normal be considered godly? Really pause and think about that. And this is where I've been, I'm telling you, I've been struggling with things, and things have been on my mind, and, and it's like, God, why are you doing this? Why are you laying this out? I like being normal. Abnormal's not normal. Weird is not normal. And I don't know anybody who wants to be defined as weird. And God keeps saying, well, you know, maybe you should be. Maybe we should be weird. And even as we take 
take the Bible, and you can even set it off to the side. Let's say we're just going to work without it for a second here. When we define normal, and we say, hey, I just want to have a normal schedule. What is, what's the first thing that th- you think of, of typical normal person and their schedule? The first thing I think of is, is overwhelmed, overworked, overstressed, panicked, moving too fast. Does that sound like normal's okay? But yet that's what we define as normal. When I think about the word normal and when it comes to money, what's the first thing that comes to mind for you then? The first thing that comes to mind for me is debt. Because that seems normal. Everybody's in debt. Everybody else is doing it. Everybody else is there. So shouldn't we be the same? Shouldn't we be stuck in a job that we have to work just to pay the bills because we have to make that paycheck because we live paycheck to paycheck? That's normal. Is normal okay? Doesn't sound like it. But yet that's what we define ourselves by. What about normal in relationships? Normal in relationships. I mean, what does a normal relationship look like? What does a normal relationship end like? Do you realize that over 50% of marriages end in divorce? That is normal. Is normal okay? No. And that's the, that's the problem that I've been struggling with, and I think that's a problem even within the church. It ends up in a normal situation to get into a divorce because they've taken the normal steps of what society deems okay in relationships. You know, it's okay to bounce from partner to partner to partner to partner. And when you're done with that partner, you just break it off. And who cares if you signed a holy covenant before God or not? And, and that's, the, that's the struggle. That's what we've decided is normal. Or at least somebody has decided is normal. So how do we change that? How do we change that? How do we in our lives, starting individually, and how do we go out to a community that is hurting, that is struggling about being normal? Because guess what? We need to be weird because normal just isn't working. Normal just isn't working. I want you to do this for me. Wrap your head around this thought. And this will kind of be the thought that we take over the next couple of weeks until we get into our chronological gospels. If you want what normal people have, do what normal people do. But if you want what few people have, You have to only do what a few people do, which is going to make you weird. It's just the plain, simple truth of it all. Think about this. If you want to be normal, if you want to be defined by normal, then just keep doing the same thing. Just blend in. Just fit into that crowd. Just walk, unfortunately, the broad road because that's where all the normal people are going. Because when you walk away from that broad road, it's not going to be normal anymore. People are going to look at you like you're weird. Like there's something wrong with you. Like there's something strange about you. Think about this for just a second. If you really believe there's something different and better than the normal life, where the majority of people are traveling, you have to leave the broad road. You have to. What's that going to do, though? When you really think about Jesus' teaching, think about how abnormal his teaching was. How different it was from everything else that's out there. How different it is from, from the, the teaching that we believe the world teaches us. Because what's the world teach us? Hey, don't commit adultery, right? And Jesus says, yeah, don't commit adultery. But also, don't even look lustfully at a woman because in your heart, if you do that, you've committed adultery. That's weird. 
Because you know what the norm is now? You know what TV shows promote all the time now? You know what the internet has tons of? Is images to make you look lustfully at another person. That's a, that's a scary thought. But Jesus says, don't do that. That's weird. That's opposite of what the world is. Jesus says, if you want to be first, you need to be last. And if you're already last, then guess what? You're first. What? What does that even mean? That's weird. But that's what Jesus taught. And he explains it in there. If he says, if somebody hurts you, you know what you need to do? You need to bless them. You need to turn the other cheek. But not, uh, that's, not, that's not what my dad taught me. My dad taught me to punch him in the throat. That, that's what my dad taught me to do. And, and that's just the reality of it all because that turn the other cheek thing is weird. Nobody does that. And, and we look at the teachings of Jesus and, and you say, wait a second, that, that's not the normal path. If we follow his teachings, that, that's leading us away from, from normal. That's going to make us stand out. And the thing is that I see is that too many people settle for normal. Too many people settle for normal. We spend our time and our money like normal people. We have problems in our marriages like normal people. We have problems with our kids like normal people. We have problems with, with people around us like normal people. But what if we did something a little different? Now, the definition of weird is this adjective that, that means this. It means strange, bizarre, or eccentric. Not words generally we want associated in the adjectives that describe us. Some people, yes. Most people, no. But there's something that I, I didn't really know until I was doing some study on this. The, the Middle English Scottish origin word for weird actually meant having the power to control or alter outcomes. That was weird. Do you think that if we applied weird instead of normal, we'd have the power to control the outcomes of our money and our time and our families and our relationships? If we applied weird and what Jesus taught versus what normal is. But what a switch that'll take. How hard will that be? There's some thoughts I think that'll help us build a foundation for being weird. And this is the first one. Number one, weird people don't think like normal people think. Weird people don't think like normal, normal people, people think. We can't copy what everybody else is doing. We can't do what everyone else does. As a matter of fact, we've talked about over the last couple of weeks, Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. We've touched on each one. I want to read it for you again. It's found uh, here in the ESV that I'm going to be reading, but maybe you have a different translation. And I want you to see what it says. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. It says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercy of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world. We ever pause and thought about what that means? It means don't just walk along like everybody else headed in the same direction of everybody else that thinks they're headed in the right direction. Instead, be transformed by the renewal of your mind. That by testing, you may discern what the will of God is, what is good and acceptable and perfect. See, normal isn't defining what is good and acceptable and perfect. Normal is defining what they want to have fit into this box. God defines what is weird, what is what he wants. I really like the way the message version puts it, though. 
the message version was written by Eugene Peterson. I shouldn't say written, was translated by Eugene per- Peterson. And he puts it in a very simple, almost devotional style way. I want you to hear what he writes out here as it says in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. He says, here is what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life. You're sleeping. You're eating. You're going to work. You're walking around life. And place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Look what this next part says here. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Isn't that what we do? How many days, how many days have you gone through in your life that you have no idea what you did from the time you woke up to the time you went to bed? How many times have you driven home from work or something along those lines that you got home and you went, did I run any red lights along the way? Because I don't remember stopping. You know, just one of those blank, what, how did I get here? Isn't that what we do that in life? You know, it's funny. We went out uh, for the funeral a, a couple weeks ago, and as I was sitting and talking to some friends, uh, all of our kids were there, and they're like, man, your kid's gotten so big. And I said, yeah, I can't believe. We've lived in New Mexico now for 12 years. 12 years, crazy to think about. Uh, Camden was one when we moved here. Like, yeah, your kids have gotten so big. I said, yeah, that happens. That, that's what happens when they eat all my food in my house. And, and, uh, and, and as they were saying, yeah, they've gotten so big, one of the guys said, you know, days go by so slow, but years go by so fast. And that was something that hit me. Because, yeah, there's days that just seem to drag on, and we just want to get through with it. But before we know it, we're taking our kids off to college. We've got two families sitting right there that just took their kids off to college, down to Portales, down to Socorro. And it's funny, I've known Alex since he was five, and, and he's going, that's weird. Okay, that's not right. I'm not that old. He's not that old. You know, those kind of things. You go through those things in your mind. You say, man, time flies. But we get so well-adjusted to our culture that we fit into it without even thinking. We just go along with the flow, and the years go by so fast, and all of a sudden we realize, what happened? Where'd my life go? Instead, it says, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, or we can just say being normal, God brings out the best of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. Weird people don't think like normal people think. We need to think differently about our time. We need to think about how we manage it. We need to think differently about our money and how we manage it. We need to think differently about our relationships and how we manage them. We need to think differently about sex and about values and about a whole lot else. Why? Because the way we think tends to determine who we are. And the way the world thinks, let's just be honest, it's out of whack. It's all messed up. It's all sorts of crazy, and the sad thing is, that's what people call normal. That's what people call normal. When we stand up for something, that's when we're being abnormal. When we speak out about something, that's when we're being abnormal. Just think about time. Time being overwhelmed and overworked. What would be different than that? Actually saying no to something? I know that's a crazy concept. But if you actually said no to something, even to a good thing, because good things have a tendency to squeeze out great things, that's okay. It's okay to do that. And then we can take a look again and say, you know, what about in money? We don't have to have 
It's okay to say, you know what? I would like to be out of debt and set a goal for getting that way. And as you set that goal, it means you have to say no to some things that you might even think are good things. And as you work that way, you'll be weird when somebody says, what do you mean you don't have a credit card bill? What do you mean you have extra money at the end of the month? What do you mean? You know, that is weird because it's not normal. But wouldn't it be nice? Because don't you realize that the number one things that families fight about, and my guess is it's probably true about 100% of the people in this room, is that the thing you fight about most is where money goes and how money is spent and money in general about having too many bills and not enough paycheck at the end of the month. How do we change that? Well, you have to make some weird decisions that aren't going to be normal. Relationship, same thing. Work, same thing. It's crazy to think about, but if you want what normal people have, do what normal people do. But if you want what few people have, you have to do what a few people do, which means you have to make some changes. Some things are going to have to happen. It's going to feel strange, and it's going to feel weird. You know why? Because it is strange, and it is weird. That's why it's going to feel that way. It's going to be different than normal, because weird people don't think like normal people think. And it really is time for us to get weird. The second point is this. Weird people don't live like normal people live. Weird people don't live like normal people live. I, I want you to think just for a second here. If we took Scripture seriously, and I know that's a big statement to say, but if we take Scripture seriously and we decide to pursue God with all our heart, all our, all our soul, all our mind, and all our strength, just like we've been commanded to do, if we did that, our lives would be different, wouldn't they? Our lives would change because that's what God is in the deal for. The, the whole idea of us saying, come as you are and be changed, it's not me changing you. It's not you sitting in here for an hour and it changing you. It is God changing you from the inside out. And as we look at that and as we lay it out, think about this for just a second. And this is one of those things that might make you cringe just a little bit, so I want you to think about it. But if you're not different, if you look like everybody else, act like everybody else, and live like everybody else, would you consider that you are not truly following God? Because you've heard the saying before, if it walks like a duck and it looks like a duck and it quacks like a duck, it's probably a what? A duck. Doesn't that make sense? That if we look and act and walk like everybody else, does that make us like everybody else? Does that not make us undifferent? Unstrange? I don't know if those are words. But does it, does it make us like them? Aren't we supposed to be different? This is where I need your help with your different Bible translations. So if you have your Bible, open up to the book of 1 Peter. 1 Peter is in the back of your Bible. You can kind of flip from the back and just kind of roll forward a little bit, and you'll get past a couple of Johns there, and then Peter's will be in there. And if you go to Hebrew, you know, it's right in that general area. Okay, so, so go ahead and go to 1 Peter chapter 2. Because I want to, to read something here that Peter is writing, and he's writing, as a matter of fact, the title, if you have little titles in your Bible, the, the title is Living in a Pagan World. Living in a Pagan World. He's challenging us in how we live. And this is what it says. I'm reading from the ESV. And I, I'm hoping that some of you guys either have the, the NIV, which is the, the New International Version. Uh, maybe you have the HCSB, which is the Hardcore Southern Baptist Edition. Uh, amen. Yeah, that's right. Uh, <laughs> It's called the Holman Christian Standard, but we all know the truth. Or maybe you have the, the NLT, the New Living Translation, or even the, the NASB, which is the New American Standard uh, Bible. Because I want to read this first line in 
1 Peter chapter 2, verses 11 and 12. I'm going to read it, and I'm going to see if you have the NIV. I'd love for you to, to read it out for me after I'll, I'll ask on you and call on you to do that. It says this in the ESV. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from passions of the flesh. Somebody have NIV? Patrick, would you read the NIV version for me, what it says? Aliens and strangers. Does somebody have the NLT version? The New Living Translation. You read that for me? Temporary residents and foreigners. How about the, the hardcore Christian standard? Yeah. Temporary residents and strangers. NASB, my favorite one of the ones of what, what, what is translated here. New American Standard? Anybody? Aliens and strangers. What does that define to you as us being? Not at home. We don't fit in here. This isn't our home. It says to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. Why is that? It's because it's not our home. And what everybody else feels is normal in their home is not normal for us. Let me just just point this out to you. Um, Tim Hawkins, who's a Christian comedian, he has a, he has a joke about when people walk in and say, "Hey, make yourself at home." He says, "Don't tell me to make myself at home, because what I do at home, you don't want me to do at your home." And isn't that the truth of the matter? If somebody said, "Hey, make yourself at home," you're not like, "Hey, I'm going to strip down to my underwear and I'm going to drink milk straight from your milk jug." That's not what we're going to do. Why is it? Because that's not normal, and that's not how we respond in somebody else's home. We don't act like, even if they do it, we're not going to do it. Because that's not the way we would do things. So why is it that we find ourselves so comfortable in this world that is not our own, that we are aliens or strangers or temporary residents, all those things that were talked about? Sojourners, exiles, all things meaning this isn't where we fit. Why do we act like them when we're not like them? When we act like they're at home and we're not really at home? Why is it we do that? Let me read on for you. It says, keep your conduct conduct among the Gentiles honorable. Other versions say, if you're reading along, live such good lives among the pagans, it says. Basically, the pagans, the Gentiles, are the ones who don't understand God's teaching. They've never been taught it before. They live like non-Christians do because, guess what? They're not Christians. That's just the reality of the matter. So that when they speak against you as evildoers. Now, why in the world would they speak against us as an evildoer? Somebody help me out. You can answer this question for me. Because we're weird. We are doing the same thing they're doing. So if we're not doing the same thing we're doing, we must be doing something evil, right? It's not normal. They consider us evildoers that they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Once again, I'm going to go to that message version and read that for you. It says, friends, this world is not your home. So don't make yourself cozy in it. Don't indulge your ego at the expense of your soul. Live an exemplary life among the natives so that your actions will refute their prejudices. Then they'll be won over to God's side. Isn't that what our whole goal is? And how do we do it? By being weird. Then they'll be won over to God's side and and be there to join the celebration when he, when Jesus returns, when he arrives. That's what it's all about. You ever stop and say, why am I here? Why am I a part of this church? What is this church doing? Our church, our job, 
Our goal is to change people through the love of Jesus Christ and let them experience who God is so that they will be brought to the other side. We live differently than them. We may appear evil, as crazy as that word is to them. We're weird. We're not normal. Stop trying to fit in and be normal. Try and be what God has called you to be. And that's different for each and every one of us. There's different sorts of weird all over this room, okay? I know that's a, that you can take that statement in all sorts of ways. If somebody wanted to tweet that, that's probably fine. Yeah. There's different sorts of weird all over this room because some of you, you've come out of life that was a partying lifestyle. And you've switched to a life of purity. You know what people are going to think about you when you do that? You're weird. What in the world are you doing? Well, what you're doing is you're displaying who Jesus is and the change that Jesus has made in your life. It could come from someone who lives for money to someone who now gives money and is very generous with, with their money. And somebody says, why? You used to, everything was about this, and now you're about giving it away. What's wrong with you? Well, Jesus is what's wrong with me. You, you take a, even the look, someone who grew up in a staunchly religious, legalistic all about the rules society, and all of a sudden now they're pouring grace out on people, like God poured grace out on them. And people say, what's wrong with you? Jesus is what's wrong with me. The way that he lives, the way that he taught, the way that I'm following him, that's what's wrong. It could be someone who's all about work. And they came to this realization that, you know what, work is just work. It used to be my entire life and everything it is, but now I've got kids and I've decided to step away from work and invest in them instead. People that work all the time are going to say, hey, that, that doesn't look normal. It's because it's not. It's weird. But, and, and each person in this room is different. I didn't say you have to do each one of those things, but somewhere along the way, people are going to see you being normal and all of a sudden switch from normal to weird. And they're going to say, what happened? That's why we live our lives out in front of people in a way that calls us. God has called us a weird Christianity that doesn't look normal. See, so, so often in churches all over America, I hate to point it out, but there are people that they're filling their quota for church this week. They're getting their one hour of power. They're, they're, they're going and they're, they're getting their feel good out of worship. And they're walking away and say, oh, that made me feel better. And I'm glad my kids got, got bucks today for bringing their Bible and bringing a friend so they could spend it at the, at the gift store at the end. I, I'm so glad that they walked away with that today. And I don't know, you know, there's all different sorts of things that take place. But you know what? That, that's not what worship is. You know what worship is? It's not a one-hour thing. It's not just something that we, we compartmentalize. Worship is a lifestyle. It's a life change. It's God changing us. Worship is bigger than us. It's not about us. See, so often we go, well, I didn't really like the way they worship. You know, we could come in here, and I could tell Jerome, I'm like, just open it up, man, okay? Plug it in. Take the electric guitar to the next level. Make people's ears bleed, okay? I've seen it happen. It works, okay? That kind of thing. Ears bleed a lot. But the, uh, the, the whole thing is... We could just say, let's just rock this. We're going to get some fog machines in here. We're going to have all kinds of, you know, and just rock out. And people are going to walk out of here saying, that was awesome. I loved it. Made me feel so good. It's not about us. Now, when we worship God and we lift God up, he's going to turn that blessing back to us. 
But it's not about us to begin with. It's not about how we feel when we leave. It's about how we have come together in a celebration of people together to lift up who God is and what he has done throughout the entire week, that week that we are worshiping him. And we've come together to celebrate it together as a body of believers. That's different. I wrote in here, I want to invite you. In fact, I want to beg you to join with me and other weird followers of Christ to leave the normal road. Because if when you really think about it, normal is not working. Normal is not working. And it's funny that this weekend, we're doing a baptism. That in about 57 minutes, we're going to converge on a pool down in Corrales. And I hope every single one of you guys can be there. And as we get together at that pool, I know for certain we have one baptism. Sebastian, right there. Say hey, Sebastian. Say hey, everybody. That's right. And, and Sebastian is, uh, is getting baptized, and we had another one, but his parents are going to be out of town. He wants to be there when his parents are there. So right now, we only have one baptism. But I'm going to open it up just to let you know. Because uh, I, would, I, I am more than excited to do one baptism. Because I had somebody ask me, well, are you sure you want to just do it for one, you know, have a big party and all that? And I'm like, heck yeah. Of course we want to have a big party and a celebration for one baptism. Because you know what a baptism is? It is a life change. And we are celebrating life change. And if there's just one, that is a reason to celebrate. And I am sorry that if you've ever been a part of a church that made you a part of the first five minutes and you got dunked real quick and they moved on with the service and they didn't celebrate you getting that life change. Because you know what? It's an amazing experience. It's an amazing thing that happens. I went to a VBS this, this year and, and uh, I, I was kind of, my kids were a part of it and I watched and they were baptizing kids, and they, they actually sent home parental notices. Kids got saved one night, and the next night they were getting baptized. And in the process of getting baptized, the guy's just reading their name off a piece of paper. Next, come on down. Next, come on down. I'm like, no, 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 that's not it. There are people talking around. There was nobody really paying that close of attention. We're talking about life change. We're talking about people standing in front of people saying, my life is different. I am weird. I want to be weird because Jesus came into my life. Now I want to live my life for him. And that's the baptism. That's the first step. That's where it's at. Sebastian, thank you for taking that step. I'm excited about celebrating today. And maybe you haven't got to that point yet in your life. I don't care how young you are, how old you are. If you're a believer in Jesus and you're like, well, you know, that whole baptism thing is standing in front of people. Guess what? That's what it's all about. It's about standing in front of people and saying, my life is different because Jesus came into it. Talk to me afterwards today. We'll put you in there. We'll get you in the pool. We'll let you stand in front and say, this is how God's changed me. And this is the first step. Because it's such a huge event. It's such a huge event. And, you know, coincidentally, and I'm not sure if there's such thing as a coincidence in this or not, but I get, I get uh, emails to my inbox. And the email in my inbox was uh, from Dr. Charles Stanley. And, and these emails in my inbox are daily devotions. And this week just happened to be on baptism coincidentally, you know, that's just the way it is. But I read this one on Tuesday, and I thought, you know, I need to share this one with y'all. This is what it says. Jesus commissioned his followers to go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, Matthew chapter 28. As the early church spread the gospel message, baptism would follow a new believer's response of faith. It publicly signified that the individual was now a follower of Jesus. Metaphors often communicate on a level that words cannot. Baptism is a powerful picture of our salvation experience. Through this act, we proclaim the good news that Jesus died for our sins, was buried, and rose again, and testify that we've welcomed his transforming power into our life. The Greek word for baptized in Scripture is the same term used to describe a cloth dipped in dye. It refers to total 
change, being plunged into the water, we declare that we're choosing to die to our old way of life and uniting with Christ. Our sin is buried with him, and its power is conquered through the atoning death on the cross, is what Romans 6 tells us. When we're raised up out of water, we affirm his resurrection. Baptism is a symbolic way of expressing that just as the Lord conquered death and rose again, we are spiritually resurrected from death into new life. We are born again and irrevocably transformed through the power of his Holy Spirit. In the Bible, the word believe is not a conceptual word describing intellectual agreement alone. It is a word of action. Our belief should never be hidden like a light placed under a bowl. When unbelieving family and friends look at our lives, they need to see the gospel in action. I think we could change that. They need to see that our lives are weird, not normal. Let's pray together. Father, we are so thankful that you've allowed us to be, allowed us to exist. Our every breath is held in your hands. And God, you've not only allowed us to exist and to be, but God, you have allowed us to to flourish through your son, Jesus Christ. The fact that he died for our sins so that we could truly live, like it says in John 10, 10, that you came to give us life and life to the full. God, help us to, to wrap our heads around that, that normal just isn't working, that Satan does come to steal, kill, and destroy, that he wants us to live normal, to walk away from you, to walk that broad path away from you to destruction instead of the narrow way that leads to life. God, I'm so thankful for Sebastian. want to take that stand, even today, in front of all of his friends, all of his family, all the people that will be there to celebrate that life change. And I pray for anybody else that's in this room, God, that, that is struggling with it. Should I, shouldn't I? Should I become weird? Should I, should I stay normal? Should I take that stand or should I stay in the background? God, I pray that you're challenging their hearts right now to take that step, that first step of being weird. And God, anybody else that's in this room that is just really struggling with normalcy, with average, with just being okay, that God, you're speaking to them like you've been talking to me for the last weeks, the last months about making a change that's going to be different, that's going to be out there, that's going to be towards you. God, I pray as you're speaking right now that you're leading people to follow you. I pray it in your name. Amen.